0: Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today is a really a joyful day for me because we have Darren Walker as as our guest. Darren is a friend for decades here in New York, but also just a fantastic leader and an inspiration. Darren is the president of the Ford Foundation, the $16 billion, that's right, $16 billion, international social justice philanthropy with offices in the United States and 10 regions around the globe. He has chaired the Philanthropy Committee and that brought the resolution to the city of Detroit's historic bankruptcy. And under his leadership, the Ford Foundation became the first nonprofit in U.S. history to issue $1 billion in designated social bond in the U.S. capital markets for proceeds to strengthen and stabilize nonprofit organizations in the wake of COVID-19, and the list goes on. But we're going to jump right into it by first saying welcome to the caring economy, my dear friend, Darren Walker.
1: Thank you, Toby. It's always a treat to be with you. You are a special friend and a very unique and remarkable
0: individual. You're sweet. I, I, I've said to many people, and I've told you I've said this before, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, you're one of those rare breeds, and I can count on one hand, who I describe as born a happy baby. We all have our trials and tribulations and knocks in life, but I've always found you to be just inspiring and positive, and I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. So I'm honored to have you here today. Thank you. So now with that uh, reference to, you know, the happy baby Give us, as we always ask our guests, Darren, please give us like a two, three minute digest of your life, where you came from, how you were raised, maybe the pivots, however you found your way to this career path that you're on. Well, I was born in rural
1: Louisiana in a charity hospital to a single mother. Uh, We moved to a small town, Ames, Texas, population 1,200, when I was a toddler Mm -hmm. and Thus began my journey in Texas, uh, my journey as a young, uh, poor Black child in a country that at that time believed in the potential, the dreams of little girls and boys in small towns and big cities who might be poor, but who had potential. I was a Head Start baby, the first class in 1965 of Head Start. I attended public schools all the way through law school. I proudly say that I have never attended a day of private education in my life. I am a product of the idea that Horace Mann championed of an educated citizenry uh, informed by uh, and financed by primarily uh, the public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I, in my lifetime, and certainly in my uh, childhood, in spite of uh, the difficulties I encountered, mm-hmm. I always felt that my country was cheering me on, that America wanted me to win. And so it's true that I, um, according to my mother, have always uh, been a, a happy person and was a happy baby, but that happiness was in part a function of the opportunity that I saw before me and the potential to get on the American mobility escalator mm-hmm. and ride it as far, as high as my ambition and uh, my commitment uh, would take
0: me. Hmm. Beautiful a metaphor. I often talk about the military. I'm not a person of, I'm not a veteran, but I've always I've seen the military as an escalator of sort as well, historically, where it's allowed people without access to education to actually get an education, get a career, get out and see the world. And that makes us better citizens, I think, because we need to have those opportunities. I love that metaphor you said of your nation cheering you on, like who who doesn't deserve that really? Well, I believe
1: today, unfortunately, Toby, that There are many Americans, white, black, brown, uh, poor, uh, urban, and rural, who don't feel that uh, they are being cheered on by their Mm -hmm. country. In fact, too many feel left out and left behind and marginalized, Um, and that is part of the challenge that we face as a nation. There are too many disaffected Americans, Mm -hmm. and we need to Uh, come to grips with that reality uh, before it's too late, before our democracy is truly imperiled. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I want to talk more about polarization in a moment, but let's still finish the narrative for you. So after uh, you are a UT grad, I believe you were actually your, um, your valedictorian in your graduating class. Uh, So.
1: Well, I wasn't valedictorian in my graduating class. I think I was, Uh, I was a good student, but I I was not the valedictorian. Mm -hmm. I was um, the person who was often deemed uh, likely to succeed, but I think that Mm -hmm. was a combination of things. My experience uh, having leaving law school in in Austin and coming to Wall Street Mm -hmm. was in part uh, because I uh, was a a real go-getter yeah. And I uh, had both an ambition and aspiration and a determination, which I think are important ingredients for success, especially uh, in a place like New York. But especially. I did not uh, come to New York to work for a foundation. I, I came to New York to work on Wall Street, and I wanted to mm-hmm. work in the private sector, first at Clary Gottlieb, the law firm, and then at UBS, the bank. Because I wanted, for the first time in my life, to understand what it felt like to not be poor, to have some modicum of uh, financial security. And thus, uh, I went to the private sector for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to meet on that journey um, the Reverend Dr. Calvin Butts III, who Mm -hmm. was uh, the great uh, leader of the Abyssinian Baptist Church, the historic uh, Mm -hmm. Abyssinian Church, and I became the chief operating officer of the Abyssinian Development Corporation, which was his and Karen Phillips' vision for uh, a revitalized Harlem mm-hmm. in the 1980s and 90s, a time when Harlem looked very different than it does today. It's hard to imagine, Toby, that there was a time when we couldn't get people to move to Harlem. Right.
0: Uh,
1: and, and so I joined Abyssinian um, in the early 90s and Uh, my life was transformed. Uh, I moved from Midtown Manhattan uh, to Harlem. Um, It was, for me, an exhilarating moment, but uh, there was no uh, supermarket. There were no restaurants uh, to speak of. Uh, There was no dry cleaners. Um, uh, The the bodegas with the brown tomatoes and lettuce uh, were basically all we had. Um, And uh, I learned a lot working uh, at Abyssinian. I learned a lot working uh in in the field of community development of mm-hmm. building housing and um, commercial um projects um and and a, and a public school. so it was a great experience uh in uh urban revitalization mm-hmm. uh community-based uh uh leadership uh, in that regard and that's Uh, how I segued uh, to the Rockefeller Foundation, Mm -hmm. and then um, to Ford. And here we are.
0: Yeah. And in that that evolution, one of the things, you've been now almost a decade, right, at Ford?
1: Indeed. I have been uh, president uh, 10 years. I joined uh, Ford in 2010 for three years. I was vice president.
0: Well, happy anniversary, and well done, you. Um, what I've loved seeing you do there is uh, really help transform or move the organization into a social justice-focused organization. It's now even officially in your name. And I wonder if you might talk about um, the impetus for that and then how you got the team, so speak, on board.
1: Well, for me, uh, I was inspired when I um, first read Andrew Carnegie's uh, seminal uh 1889 essay called uh, The Gospel of Wealth which laid out the principles of uh, American philanthropy the Mm -hmm. idea of giving back Uh, Carnegie popularized that uh, phrase Mm -hmm. Uh, the notion of charity of generosity of root causes Um, but Carnegie uh, did not object to inequality he didn't have a problem with inequality Um, he uh, did not object to uh the norms of 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 a racist society the fact mm-hmm. that um blacks uh for example uh did not benefit uh from the carnegie libraries as much as uh, white americans did mm-hmm. uh, was not a a great concern of, of his uh, nor was it of 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 most people in that era yeah. um so he was no better or worse it was it was a normative way uh, in which American apartheid existed at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, I, uh, when I became president of Ford, was searching for words uh, that might um, embody how I thought about philanthropy, and mm-hmm. I came across a somewhat obscure uh, document uh, in which uh, Doctor King had written about philanthropy, and mm-hmm. he said the following. Philanthropy is commendable, but it should not allow the philanthropist to overlook the economic injustice which makes philanthropy necessary. And so what Dr. King was saying was philanthropy, yes, is about charity and generosity, but it should also be about dignity and Mm -hmm. justice. Mm -hmm. And that is a different paradigm. That's Mm -hmm. a paradigm that requires the philanthropist to examine their own complicity mm-hmm. in the very problems they have identified that they want to spend their philanthropic yeah. dollars yes.
0: solving yeah and looking at the root causes which some philanthropy does but not necessarily all of it so so you, sorry so you, then you share this with your board with your staff uh, how, how did it sort of go over i mean it Now we can say it's a success, but I wonder, how did you get a group to come away with your way of thinking?
1: Well, I I think it was a collective effort of a terrific staff here Mm -hmm. and a really remarkable board of trustees. Um, I think our board was uh, compelled by the idea that our work must center justice. Mm -hmm. uh, And that if we were to have a more just, America and a more just world, that we had to address uh, the greatest threats to that. And Mm -hmm. among those threats is inequality. And Mm -hmm. so inequality became our North Star and became uh, the uh, fulcrum through which we examined uh, what we would work on, where we would work, and how we would work as a foundation. And that, of course, led to a set of programmatic priorities Mm -hmm. that include racial justice, uh, the rights of of women and gender uh, issues, um, uh, workforce uh, and labor policy, the arts and culture, technology Mm -hmm. uh, and society, of course, uh, expanding uh, and strengthening civil society. Mm -hmm. All of this uh, in an effort to address Inequality, because our uh, charge uh, among the priorities that Henry Ford outlined for the Ford Foundation was to strengthen democracy, mm-hmm. and the correlation between inequality and democracy is is clear. Yeah. In societies where there is growing inequality, democracy unravels democracy is diminished and so for us to have a vibrant healthy democracy which is in part our mission we've got to address inequality because inequality asphyxiates hope and hope is the oxygen of democracy so if we want inequality if we want uh, if, if we want a more hopeful America. If we want uh, a, a democracy that is uh, strong and vibrant, we've got to take on inequality.
0: Yeah, and as you've done that, one of the things I've taken uh, particularly interest in and love is um, in considering DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, you know, we're two gay men we think perhaps that's a minority, but I love with Ford, you really have focused on a fuller spectrum, including particularly I'm thinking around disabled, the disabled community in a way that is in some ways, I think um, still getting short shrift. And uh, I think about um, things like the trans community and the work is never done from my observation, but you really are on the front lines, you and your team.
1: Well, I think uh, justice requires us, for example, to uh, bring uh, the issue of uh, disability and the rights of people with disabilities uh, to live independent and full lives, mm-hmm. uh, for there uh, to be full um, uh, implementation of uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which uh, is still not being fully it uh, ad, ad, ministered uh across the country um and that of course uh, across uh sexual identity that uh, we need to respect and include um everyone
0: yeah. and
1: and so um that's what it's about it's about inclusion and so this idea of diversity uh equity and inclusion for us is an imperative and it's not an imperative um for some um, vicious uh, reason. It's an imperative because it's critical to being a high performing, excellent organization. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a correlation um, with excellence and diversity.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, again, today we have Darren Walker with us. He's the president of the Ford Foundation, the $16 billion global leading foundation. Darren, um, let's talk a little bit about polarization because I think you are doing, you, the Ford Foundation, are doing God's work really, but you must be constantly also villainized and attacked as being woke or being uh, George Soros's buddies or what have you. Like, Rather than take sides on this, I wonder, what would you like the quote-unquote other side to think or know or understand about what you're doing? How do we bridge that kind of misunderstanding? Are there any tricks to the trade you've learned in the past few decades? Well, I think,
1: Toby, that it is uh, very regrettable that things that as recently as just a few years ago were not uh, contested have become contested. Hmm. I uh, believe that the work that we do uh, and my own uh, inspiration is deeply patriotic. Uh, I believe in America. My love for this country is unwavering. My commitment to the ideals, the words of our founding fathers. When Thomas Jefferson wrote to his friend Samuel DuPont and said the work of America is to build a just nation. Those words inspire me Mm -hmm. There is no doubt that Jefferson failed building a fully just nation, but he helped lay the foundation to uh, fix some of the problems Mm -hmm. that uh, he and the founders were unwilling or unable uh, to fix or repair. Uh, We have the tools to do that. And I believe that uh, those of us uh, who are fighting, for example, to ensure that every American votes Mm -hmm. is engaged in the processes that determine um, their life opportunities, that these are fundamentally American ideas Mm -hmm. who would not support the idea that we should do all we can to encourage all Americans to participate in the process of voting, which our founding fathers and generations of Americans have fought for, Mm. have lost lives, given blood. Um, And so I uh, consider myself a very patriotic person who loves his country. Mm. And because I love America, I, believe in those words. And because I believe in those words, I want to hold America accountable Mm -hmm. to deliver on
0: those words Mm -hmm. for everyone. It's not lost on me. I mean, literally, as we speak, I think within the hour, former President Trump will be showing up at a courthouse in Georgia for allegedly help trying to stop that sacred right of voting in this country. It's just, we have to stay vigilant. I share your your patriotism. I believe this is the greatest country on earth, but it requires all hands on deck and a a fair, civic, a civil way of engaging. So I like that you're working on that at Ford. What about your partners, so to speak? Um, Philanthropy, as you well know and have said yourself, can't do it all, right? Philanthropy is a piece of it. It's a catalyst, but... We talk mostly with private sector here about, uh, you know, the bench strength, the talent, the deep pockets of the private sector. We also have nonprofits, but can you say a little bit about um, how you think about the rest of the world besides the philanthropic community in addressing these challenges, but particularly the the business sector?
1: Well, our democracy depends on the three-legged stool and each leg being strong, of course, Uh, the uh, public sector, we need a functioning um, government and a system uh, of governance that uh, works uh, for all. Uh, We need a civil society, uh, the second uh, leg in that stool, that is vibrant Mm -hmm. uh, and resilient. And of course, we need a private sector. Uh, we live in a capitalist system. And uh, my belief is that um, we need to ensure that capitalism works for more people. Um, and uh, capitalism, um, it, it, the ability of capitalism to work for more people is in part uh, a function of policy. Mm-hmm tax policy, uh, economic uh, policy. And so that interplay between democracy, uh, the economy, uh, economics, capitalism um, is critical to understand. uh, If we want uh, a nation with shared prosperity Mm -hmm. which ought to be our objective. Unfortunately, Toby, we Uh, over these last uh, 40 to 50 years uh, have actually uh, slid back. Mm -hmm. We know, again, this is incontrovertible. This is Mm -hmm. not a political statement to say that working Americans have lost ground, Mm -hmm. that um, life expectancy for some, um, including um, some white American communities, and populations have actually uh, gone down. Yes. Um, and, and so our uh, economic system is not uh, generating enough shared prosperity. It's generating inequality. Uh, and so we need to think about the way in which the private sector can help to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And um, without the private sector, we won't be able to solve uh, the problems. Uh, The innovation, um, the entrepreneurship, the uh, ability uh, and flexibility that the private uh, sector brings um, is critical. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's one of the reasons we work on um, ideas like inclusive capitalism, conscious capitalism, um, and these notions that center uh, our abiding belief in uh, our capitalist system, but that belief is sobered by the reality of what absolutely. the data tell us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm I'm thinking, you know, I was going to ask you some of your heroes or you know successful examples of business leaders. I think of people like Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan or Larry Fink at BlackRock, maybe Jane Fraser, Citi, but. um. A, do you have anyone you want to give a shout out to? And B, maybe we should talk about Detroit, because I think, you know, J.P. Morgan was very much involved there, as was Ford. Um, So, first of all, two-part question. Do you have any heroes you might want to give a shout out to now? No pressure. And then, uh, I
1: mean, in the private sector, there are absolutely heroes and sheroes. I think about a CEO like Ken Chenault at American Express who uh, is the gold standard of a CEO, in my view. Uh, Indra Noye uh, at PepsiCo, where I have been a director, um, was a source of amazing uh, transformation of that company. Um, and as you say, you mentioned people in finance, I uh, respect and admire, um, mm-hmm. but I absolutely believe that uh, you know my own heroes, Vernon Jordan, um, Calvin Butts, um, um, Ruth uh, Simmons uh, Mm -hmm. are people who inspire me. Uh, And when I look at people often say, how do you uh, remain hopeful? Because there are times when it is easy, Toby, to be dejected, demoralized, depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet uh, I am inspired when I think about the people whose shoulders I stand on and who made it possible for me to live um, a dream in some ways, uh, the, the slaves, uh, the enslaved people who uh, were my ancestors could not have dreamed mm-hmm. of yeah. my life. Yeah. Uh, when I think about Fannie Lou Hamer, the great patriot uh, who walked uh, the dirt roads of Mississippi uh, carrying that American flag, uh, professing her faith and her rage at America. Uh, She believed in this country. Frederick Douglass believed in America. Hmm. So many more. Who are my heroes? Langston Hughes, James Baldwin, Bayard Rustin. Mm. They believed in America, even though America did not seemingly believe in their full potential. And yet they believed in America. When Mm -hmm. I think about Langston Hughes's uh, poem, my favorite poem, Let America Be America Again, he starts Let America be America again. America never was America to me. He is expressing his outrage at being marginalized and kept from his dreams Mm -hmm. because of his race in America. Mm -hmm. He ends that poem. But oh, yes someday America will be. Langston Hughes knew that in his lifetime, he would never see that America, but he believed. And so I stand on the shoulders of people like him who did believe and therefore, how can I not believe?
0: There you go. It would
1: be dishonoring their Mm -hmm. legacy It would be disrespecting the lives given and lost, the blood and tears by so many people who came before me and whose dreams I am now living. So, Toby, my friend, uh, we have work to do in America, but I remain hopeful. I remain a believer in this idea, this experiment
0: called America. Yeah. You know, my friend, um, you cited two gentlemen, Ken Chenault, who I worked with at American Express when I was there, and um, board member uh, Vernon Jordan. And I can remember before he died, I ran into him once at a meeting at Lazard. And to finally be able to shake his hand and say how much I admired him. This was, for our listeners who don't know him, what I loved about him, he was the quiet, unseen, elegant person that he was uh, of influence and seemingly egoless but wow I mean that's I shared both those I admire I've approached Ken and tried to get him on my podcast maybe you'll help me get that um two last questions I'm mindful of time one is you and I know you are a recipient of the order of the British empire from the queen before she passed something I helped work on um in my role at the consulate Tell us what that meant to you. If no pressure, I mean, but it was an honor. And I wonder what you're going to say about that. And then on the other side, I want to ask you about any pearls of wisdom you might have. So Her Majesty first. <laughs> well, that was
1: uh, a tremendous honor, in part facilitated by my friend Toby. Thank you. It was unexpected. Uh, and of course, um, I uh, cherish uh, that recognition from her majesty uh, which came um, literally weeks before she passed away. Uh, I have proudly framed uh, my investiture document with her signature prominently displayed uh, because uh, she was an extraordinary woman uh, who lived a life of loyalty, uh, and uh, an unabiding uh, faith. Uh, and I I am, am just a huge admirer. Okay. I think pearls of wisdom, Toby, I'm probably short on. I don't profess to be uh, any sort of uh, uh, a, a unique person in this regard. I think I have a lived experience that has taught me um, a couple of things. One, um, it is important to be authentically who you are, and to live fully within uh, that uh, identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm uh, so grateful that we live in a time, in spite of the setbacks uh, and um, the the deep concern we have about the state of things, when someone like me or you, me a black uh, queer man can um, aspire to lead an organization like the Ford Foundation, which a generation ago would have been unthinkable. Mm. Be authentic. Secondly, I believe in the idea of service. Service not to self, but service to country, service to community. Um, And uh, I'm always inspired when I look back over history and I look um, at the, the men and women who inspired me to uh, want to serve and um, hopefully be a servant leader. And finally, I would say uh, the idea of leading with humility uh, is important uh, to me. Uh, so many ways um, in our society, um, we see examples of, uh, of arrogance uh, of mendacity, mm. uh, of uh, a narcissism um, in in leaders that um, I don't believe are good models. Um, mm. And we see this in the public and the private sectors. Um, and I don't believe that uh, this uh, is a trend that we should celebrate. I think it's something that we should uh, work on uh, very hard uh, against to protect the idea that uh, the most noble calling is uh, the humble servant leader. Uh, and to do that um, with honor um, and with dignity and with courage, uh, I try, I don't fully succeed at it, but I certainly have that as my North Star and. Those would be uh, pearls of wisdom, if you will, that I would want to share.
0: Well, they're inspiring, and you definitely embody those. And I, I, I like you. I try to uh, embody those as well. So I can't thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. Today we've had Darren Walker on the President of the Ford Foundation, a real catalytic force, both the foundation and Darren in a better tomorrow, and a really a wonderful today with the way he conducts himself and takes others along with them. So thank you, Darren Walker. Thank you, Toby. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at TUsnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues.